Choosing a college home is a bit like choosing an actual home. It should be the perfect size, offer the features you want, and feel safe and comfortable. And just like shopping for a house, searching for a college starts with that one key word, location. I'm Brian Wendell from Bucknell University, and in this episode of College Admissions Insider, we'll search far and wide to bring you the best advice on how to consider a school's geographic location when planning your college search. What factors should you absolutely keep in mind, and which might you be okay to ignore? I'm Brooke Timms, also from Bucknell, and we are joined by Candace Leak, Bucknell's Associate Director of Admissions for Access and Outreach. Candace works with high school students in eight different states, coordinates off-campus and on-campus experiences for high schoolers, and handles Bucknell's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives within admissions. Welcome back to the podcast, Candace. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, we're really excited. So let's just get started with proximity to home, which I think you're uh, uniquely equipped to talk about because you've worked with students from all over the country, including some who end up at Bucknell that grew up on the West Coast, you know, California and Arizona. And so in your experience, how should students and families look at that factor, the, the miles from their home to the to the university they're looking at when they're starting to compile a list of schools? That's a really great question. And I think, you know, When you're thinking about proximity to home, that's really something that you identify for yourself, right? For some students, proximity may be a certain driving distance. So you may say, you know, no more than four hours or six hours, or it could be, I would like to stay, you know, on a particular coast. If you're from the West Coast and you would like to stay West, or it could be, I want to be in the, in, you know, the East Coast, or I would like to stay in the Midwest. So really proximity is, is what you make it. It could also be a certain distance uh, by train or by plane. You know, maybe your your boundaries are, I would like to be within a, a two-hour plane ride. Um, so it's really about what you want that to look like. But I want you to think about why are you making that sort of limitation or characteristic for yourself? Does that proximity really mean something to you in a more significant way beyond preference? Because I think it's really easy to get caught up on sort of imagining you know, what the college experience could look like and, and making kind of this wish list of things that don't necessarily mean a lot to what your overall experience would be like beyond just maybe personal preference. And so while I think, you know, having those limitations or having those parameters rather that you would like to stay within, I challenge you to really think about why you are creating those sort of parameters and if they really are as important as maybe you are making them out to be. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about that by plane or by train parameter, because that's going to come with some additional costs, you know, airfare, maybe a train ticket that students are going to need to factor in versus someone who may be just coming from, you know, an hour or two within just driving distance of the school. And so what should students and their families consider there? For sure. I would say um, definitely you want to think about what that distance might mean in terms of potential costs. And it could also be a matter of, you know, does this perhaps even limit the number of times I might be able to go home? I know when I was a student, I lived a six-hour driving distance from my campus, and the first time I went home for the fall semester was Thanksgiving. But that was okay for me because my goal was to be in the location, to be, you know, spend my time on campus and really have that experience. So the uh, ease of getting home, you know, or desire to come home frequently wasn't necessarily one that's there for me, but it it varies by student. Um, Perhaps you have certain reasons for coming home. Maybe if there are uh, some family obligations or even 
perhaps even with health, you know, if you need to see certain specialists that are close to home. And so you might need to be closer or it's desirable to be closer to home for those particular reasons. So, you know, all of those things, you know, not necessarily, I wouldn't put any sort of value to them, good, bad, or indifferent. I I think it's just a matter of being mindful of what that means and what that could also mean in terms of cost. So I wouldn't get too caught up on it from the cost standpoint necessarily in the early stages of the process where you're really just looking and exploring different places, but just being mindful at some point that coming home might mean a a plane ticket or a train ticket or a, a bus ride or just knowing what the resources and what options there might be at the particular institutions for students who are coming from a distance. For example, do they have some sort of storage for you? Like if you are, you know, coming from California to somewhere from on the East Coast, does the school allow you to store your uh, items there over the summer, for example, so that you don't have to transport those back and forth. One thing I could also recommend is getting to know students from your region, because that can certainly help with carpooling. Uh, My roommate and I were both from the same state. And so while we both, you know, went to move in day, we both came separately because we didn't know each other at that point. But by the time we were leaving, we were leaving with one vehicle and a U-Haul that we shared. So those can definitely help to cut down on some of those costs if you sort of team up and and do some travel, perhaps with other folks who might be traveling a similar route as yours. Yeah, that's a great way to do that. So that's proximity to home. What about the surrounding community, the area around the school? It seems like there, you know, you can maybe break it down into three categories. There's, you know, urban environments, the suburban environments, and then more rural areas. So what do you tell students weighing those options? say again, thinking back to why does it matter, right? Is it really just, you know, this is some place where I've always wanted to live for a few years? Or is it something that really is going to have an impact on what the college experience is like for you? So there's certainly, you know, pros and cons uh, to any sort of environment. And and that's really up for you to decide what those pros and what those cons are, because that will vary by individual and, and things that matter to them are important to them. But I would say, you know, thinking about it in terms of when you're at the school, you're you're really at the school. That is really the, the community. That is the environment where you'll be most of the time. And so the surrounding community, you know, certainly will be kind of a, a secondary part of home for you, but your main home is really, you know, on the campus and, you know, proximity, um, a few miles kind of radius around campus. So I wouldn't necessarily get too caught up on it, but certainly you do want to think about that, you know, if you're able to come visit the campus and just kind of drive through the neighborhoods and and see what's near you, just so that you can be aware of what the area is like. But I think it's really up to you to kind of weigh what those options are between the differences and, and what that will mean for your experience. And know also that an urban experience in New York might be different from an urban experience in Philadelphia, maybe different from, you know, Miami. So even just categorizing them, you know, a school from urban, suburban, and rural will still mean something different in terms of what that translates to in particular places. And I wonder too about schools that are more commuter friendly versus schools that really, really prize having students be on campus. And that can be another kind of classification too, right? And speaking of on-campus housing, I know Bucknell guarantees housing for all four years, but there are other schools that don't. And so, yeah, what should students keep in mind there as well? 
Sure. I think that's also a really important factor to think about um, in terms of what the living situation will be like for you, because you might want to be a commuter or at least have that option. If maybe, you know, one semester or a year you'd want to commute and then others you may want to live on campus. So just having that ability could be something that you want to think about and, and find out about the schools you're interested in. It could also make a difference, especially if you are coming from a different area, you know, a few hours away from the institution. So if it's a a school where there are a large percentage of commuters and I'm coming from out of state, you know, what does that mean for the students who are staying or who aren't able to leave quite as easily? Is the campus pretty much empty on the weekends and it's just the folks who live from farther away who are left around? Or is it, even if there is a large commuter population, is it still a place that is pretty active throughout the week, regardless of of commuter or, or resident status? Another thing to think about also is what that means in terms of where you'll physically be living. So as you mentioned at Bucknell, we do guarantee housing for all four years, um, but at some schools, they may only guarantee it for one or two, or they may require it actually for one or two or however many years that they choose to do so. So what does that mean for you in terms of accessibility or the ability to find housing off campus. In those situations, if you are expected to live off campus, then perhaps what the surrounding area is of the campus might mean a little bit more to you because you'll actually be living perhaps, you know, a few miles away from campus. And so you'll want to do a little bit more due diligence to know what are those prices like or just what is kind of the housing situation? What are the options? Is it within walking distance? Will I need a vehicle? Those sorts of things. So understanding what the expectations or options are for you, both living on campus, and if not, if living off campus, what does that mean and how would that look for my experience as a student? So Candice, one thing I'm hearing that's very helpful, I think, is the reminder to know yourself and ask yourself, why am I, why is this important to me? Why am I even looking at this element when building a list? And so it seems like another way to look at that is, you know, what kind of environment are you going to most succeed in academically, socially, et cetera? And so like, let's take New York since it's three hours from Bucknell. There's, if you went to school in New York, you know, there's, you could go to live shows and restaurants and shops pretty much 24-7, but that also could be a big distraction. So I'd love to hear your take on that and, and how it's important to know yourself in, in that sense as well. Brian, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think knowing yourself is so key to this process and knowing yourself in different ways of what you really need to be successful, to be happy, to feel fulfilled. And so it can really help you guide your process uh, as you're looking for colleges and trying to explore places that would be a good fit for you based on those things about you. And I would say knowing your true self and maybe not your aspirant self so that you are you know, putting yourself in the best situation for success. So if you are someone who might easily be distracted or you know, perhaps you've come from a really small town and so living in a place like New York is exciting, but almost too exciting to the point where you're unable to focus, or maybe you have too many food options and, you know, you having decision fatigue, right, of having to choose all these different things that you have access to in a way that maybe you never did before. And perhaps for some students, that's a place where they could thrive and and that would be a really great experience for them. But for other students, it might be a little bit too much and you're not able to necessarily balance that 
totally different sort of environment with your ability to be a student and to be able to balance that well. So I think, you know, thinking about who you are, maybe a, a smaller town, you know, where maybe there aren't quite as many options would be a, a good fit for you, or maybe just not necessarily options, because it makes it sound, you know, using those sorts of words makes it seem better or worse in, in terms of like not having options or having options, but just is the environment one that allows you to focus on what you need to be able to focus on? So maybe a rural or even a suburban campus might give you a little bit more ease of, of being able to do so. But again, it's about knowing yourself and, and how you're able to focus. Even just level of independence, you know, some schools that are in more urban areas, for example, might have limited on-campus dining options or not have any at all. And I've actually known of some that you really are eating, you know, in the city right near you or access to transportation, what that looks like if, you know, public transportation is something that you would want to have readily readily available to you, or might you have your own vehicle, or even just the location of the school itself. Is it kind of a part of a town or part of a, a city? And so there might be a lot of other pedestrians and other folks who are unaffiliated with the school who might actually be on campus pretty frequently, or would you prefer a place that really is more of its own kind of isolated community in its own little bubble, if you will. So those are just some of the things that might also, you know, come into play in terms of your comfort level or just your ability to really thrive in the academic space. Yeah, yeah, those are all really great considerations, especially since, you know, at the end of the day, students are choosing a school and not necessarily a vacation spot, right? So how do you recommend that students get more of a sense of whether they like the school and the location and some of those options and opportunities that you were talking about? Sure. I think there are a couple of different ways to approach this. I think certainly there are lots of resources online that you can really look through school websites and uh, different offerings, virtual tours, those sorts of things to get a general sense. But I can pretty much guarantee you that if you're doing the virtual tour on, you know, online or, you know, going through something that's on their, their website, they're not going to photograph the cloudy, rainy days, right? It'll be amazing how the grass is green and the skies are blue at every single college that you look at online. And that might not necessarily be the norm um, physically on campus. But getting that early kind of intel is a great way to be cost efficient, especially if you're not able to necessarily foot that cost or really just have the time to be able to travel at a distance. So one thing you could consider is kind of maybe doing some proxy visits, um, uh, you know, have proxy institutions. So if you're wanting to just see what is a large, you know, I would say maybe like a large urban school environment like and and go to the, you know, take a visit to the one that's nearby you, maybe your state institution or one that's within a close drive just to kind of get a sense of like, okay, this is what, you know, large campus looks like. This is what a suburban campus looks like. And of course, it'll be different, you know, a large school in in one place is still going to be different than another place, but at least it gives you some sort of indication or, um, you know, some sort of insight into what just a large campus or you know, kind of a smaller campus, rural campus, et cetera, might look like. But I would definitely say that before you kind of sign the dotted line and and make the final choice on your matriculation where you're actually going to enroll, it's definitely important to try to make a visit to that place before so. 
now that some of the restrictions are, you know, released and relaxed a little bit more and, and colleges are slowly kind of returning to in-person, a lot of schools have those in-person options now. Even if you're, you know, on vacation and you're in a location and you want to just kind of drive around and say like, oh yeah, I was thinking about that school since we're here, why don't we just, you know, take even an impersonal or an informal tour rather, um, or just kind of drive around the area a little bit just to check out a place if you're not able to do a kind of facilitated or official visit. But I would definitely say that, you know, before you make the final decision to go somewhere to enroll at an institution, it's definitely important to try to have that on-campus experience of a visit so that you can really know firsthand what that particular place in that environment is like. Yeah, I love the idea of the proxy visit. I'd never heard of that. I think that's that's really smart because a lot of people are going to have a school that's, you know, within a 15-minute, 30-minute hour drive. And so they can get a sense of what a college visit is like, even if that particular school might not be on their list. So you mentioned that before you sign the dotted line, you you really should try to visit. And I completely agree there. But if you go for an open house or a, you know an admitted student day or something like that, you're really going to see the best that that campus and community have to offer. So you might say that that's, again, you're seeing the, the blue sky day when the skies might not always be blue there. So how do you get a sense for what that community and campus is like year round? That's a really good question. I mean, I would say with online and any anything that's photographed, it's always going to be photographed on the on the best day possible. But the campus visit, unfortunately, we can order and, and facilitate a lot of different things, but we can't control what the weather will be. So it's it's possible that you may come on a rainy day. And we've even had folks visit us here at Bucknell who are like, you know, as soon as the campus tour was about to be released, you know, the sky opened up and it was torrential downpour, and they come back from the tour and be like, you know. Even on a rainy day, this was still an amazing experience. So I think, you know, doing the best you can and just visiting whenever you're, you're able to, but also talking to other students, you know, maybe if there's a way to identify students who are from your area, who might be able to give you some sort of intel from their perspective of, you know, we're used to X, Y, and Z in the South, and now we're in Maine, you know, what has your experience been like to, to get a sense there? But even, you know, 70 degrees, I learned this, you know, 70 degrees in Pennsylvania is different even from 70 degrees in Colorado, where the altitude is much higher and the sun seems really close and it's a lot warmer than it feels in Pennsylvania. So really being able to, to make that visit yourself um, at some point is, is really going to be, I think, important and is going to be key. But I, I want you to, to, you know, to keep an open mind though, right? I mean, these are all, you know, certainly the location matters and, and will have an impact on your experience. But think about this also as an exciting time to just try something new, to be in a new environment, to try to be prepared for what that will look like and, and try to do is, you know, do your due diligence to understand like, okay, is this a place that snows? I'm going to need this sort of footwear, this sort of coat, you know, just to make sure that you're not caught off guard. But to some extent, there's only but so much you can know before you actually experience it. So, you know, I went to school in central New York. I knew it was going to snow. I knew it would be cold. I had, you know, the the sort of equipment that I needed, but I didn't know that it was going to snow probably every day from like October to March even. But that's something you experience once you're there. And it's kind of the excitement of, of being in a new place and exploring it. 
So again, you know, you know, you want to know enough so that you're not caught off guard and unprepared for what you need. But I think it's also a little fun just to explore and experience it for yourself. It seems like that process of getting a clearer and bigger image of that snapshot applies to resources and opportunities as well. Of course, every school that you look at is going to want to put their best foot forward and show you all of the things that they have to offer. But when it comes to those on-campus experiences, research, hands-on learning, internships, and even job prospects, does you know going to a small town university make a difference versus you know a big urban one? I would say yes and no, right? I mean, there will be a difference perhaps in, you know, the number of, you know, X sort of industry, you know, businesses that might be in that particular area. But, you know, every place has a local economy, right? Like every place has a, has schools, has, you know, healthcare facilities, has stores, has, you know, a variety of different things that are going to be consistent no matter where you are. And so, you know, part of what the institutions do for preparing for their students' experiential opportunities is making connections with the local economy, with the businesses in the area, developing those partnerships so that they can create opportunities for students to do internships and research, and et cetera. But also knowing that, you know, where you are physically on in your campus or even in the area does not necessarily limit what those opportunities could be. Certainly we have, you know, or institutions have access to alumni across the country or even internationally, and you're able to maybe make those connections for opportunities for internships in the summer or at other times. So, you know, even if you are in New York City or, you know, some other place, if you're in New York City, for example, we, we just keep saying New York, so I'll say that, but you're really interested in marine biology. You know, there are no manatees, I don't think, swimming around in, in New York City anywhere. And so maybe, you know, in the summer is an opportunity for us to connect you with an opportunity you know, working with those animals in Florida somewhere. So even though, you know, New York City, you know, you think big city, all these opportunities, but maybe there aren't necessarily these sort of opportunities that are specific to what you're interested in. So I would say that, you know, know that your opportunities will be there regardless of where you are and knowing that just because you're in a smaller town or even if you're in a larger town, that doesn't necessarily equate to access to certain things at that particular time, if that makes sense. So, you know, certainly taking advantage of what the summers could look like, you know, using that as a place to, or as an opportunity to explore different experiences in different locations. But again, you know, part of the job of colleges and universities is to make those connections and opportunities for students in their location as well. So one consideration we haven't discussed is in-state versus out-of-state. So I'd love to hear your your advice there on what students should should think about when looking at schools that are beyond the borders of their own home state. Sure. I think there are a couple of different things that could come into play here. So if you are applying to an in-state public school, for example, there may be different admission rates for those who are residents of the state. So if it happens to be your state, you know, there might be a different admission rate there versus if you were applying to a state institution that is not your state. There might also be some differences in terms of access to some funding. So, you know, your federal grants and any sort of financial aid that's coming from the federal government will really travel with you wherever. But if you're perhaps being awarded local grants or something from your delegate or your senator that might require you to use those funds staying in state in order to to access those funds. Caveat there, colleges know that, right? And so 
A lot of colleges have students, many students from out of state. Bucknell, most of our students are from out of state. And so we are prepared financially to kind of make those adjustments and to supplement the funds that perhaps students would have had access to if they were uh, local, that they don't necessarily have access to going away from, from home for them. So, you know, those are some of the things to think about. But I think, you know, again, a lot of students, I mean, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of students do go out of state for college. So I, I wouldn't necessarily get too stuck on that. I, I think a lot of the differences will really just be about the type of institution, like I said, if it's in-state or out-of-state, and if it's public or private in terms of admission rate and potential funding opportunities. But there's nothing else I can really think of that would be a, a kind of a big factor of a difference of, of being in or out-of-state. And finally, we often refer to college as a student's, you know, home away from home or a four-year home. And that's a really big commitment, but it's not a permanent one. You know, the, the road is wide open for students to continue their journeys any number of places after college. And so how can students and families keep that perspective in mind when balancing all of those options? I think that's a really important point, Brooke. And I think you mentioned earlier, you know, that going away to college or, you know, where you're going is you're not on vacation, right? So, you know, you're not a tourist in this place. So it's a different type of experience. And so, you know, there might be some sort of, you know, attraction to a place just from how you've experienced it on vacation or from some other standpoint. But that could be a totally different experience than actually being a resident there and, and living in a place. But also knowing that, you know, the campus and, and the campus environment really is more of what your home will be. And so, you know, just think about that more so in terms of, I guess, priorities and, and what you're really valuing with that. But also, you know, normally where you go to college is not necessarily where you will stay, right? It, it could be a moment in time. It could be this four years where I'm at this place. And then once I graduate, then I'm able to move and, and go to other places and explore other opportunities. So definitely think about it as, you know, the place where I am for this particular moment in time to accomplish this goal, to get what I need out of, you know, this college time and the resources and and the community that I'm able to develop there, but know that it's not necessarily a permanent one. So um, you certainly have, you know, graduate school or whatever other opportunities you may want to to take advantage of to, to live in particular places. But, you know, the, the college one is really just more of a temporary home. That's such great advice. And we'll leave it there for this episode of College Admissions Insider. Um, Candace, thank you so much for this great insight about the importance of location. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you for listening. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to share, rate, and subscribe. And we'll be back with another new episode in two weeks. In the meantime, you can send your questions, comments, and even ideas for episodes to podcast at bucknell.edu. You can also follow Bucknell on all of the socials at BucknellU on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also follow our student-run Instagram account, which is I am Ray Bucknell. Until next time, keep on reaching for your dreams and your dream school.